You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. We're talking financial advisors today. The, the kind of preface to this conversation is that you have been texting me and we've been talking in casual conversation about you considering you know, moving away from your financial advisors for, for quite some time, right? And I feel like yes. the, the answer that you always return to is, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point I'm going to make the break. Um, and you know, I feel like my, my advice is just kind of like, well, why not do it now? kind of thing. Um, and you keep returning with, Oh, here's a reason why I really like them. Like you'll have a meeting with them and you're like, Oh yeah, that's fair. So, so tell me what, are they just really good sales people? (laughs) Like, are they just really good at selling or are there, or are there actually things that you are realizing are still blind spots at this very late stage of your five journey? I think part of the part of the real genius of the approach of the advisors I work with is I've never, ever felt like I'm being sold something. And and they are <laughs> fiduciaries, fee only. There's no, you know, incentivization via, you know, selling me life insurance or things like that, right? Nothing like that. But I never feel like, you know, they're, you know, pitching fear mongering that, oh, to make me nervous, I better yeah. stay with them or, <clears throat> you know, oh, look at our returns versus what you were doing on your own. Literally never been anything like that. I would say it's it's earnestly just the comfort I feel in the types of answers I get and the scenario modeling we do together and you know the promptness that they take care of things for me, it's a, just a great service. And so as a service, it's attractive. But of course, I can do math. And so I've also had a lot more time with my portfolio and with you know investigating a lot of things in detail in that more than a year and a half since I stopped working. So those two things are at odds because my comfort level is now higher that I can take all of this on, but I'm used to this strong relationship and feeling that support. So that's really been the source of conflict. It's, I know the right thing to do is go on my own at this point. I see how much confidence you get by working with them, but I can't help but wonder like, okay, look at me. Like I have so many blind spots. Right. Um, and, and yet I still feel pretty confident in the plan that I'm putting together. Is it going to be as optimized as yours? Probably not. But, you know, I look at the over the years that you've been working with them, if you add up the fees and I mean, as you said, you can do math like that's that accounts for a pretty big kind of learning period. Right. I mean, don't you feel like you've learned what you need to learn from them? You know, in most ways I do. And that is sort of a confident answer. Right. And that is largely where I am at this point. I think where I really start to, you know, sort of challenge myself a little is, oh, what about these decisions around taxation, right? And minimizing gains, you know, with respect to like ACA limits and things like that. You know, there's little, there's a lot of those little things that are rather important. And, you know, many people watching this would say, well, it's all very straightforward, ABC done. To a point that I agree with that, but there's lots of nuances and everyone's situation is unique. And so, it may be more or less complicated for various reasons. And I don't mean to say that, you know, I, I'm some special snowflake and, oh, my situation's so particular that <laughs> I have to have external help. That's not what I mean at all. But it is a change. And like any change, especially one that could be so meaningful in terms of dollars, 
even though I know mathematically over the long term, the right thing to do is get that drag off my portfolio. It doesn't mean that psychologically it's, you know, simple. But let me ask you this then, if they've set up a plan that works with them involved, why not just continue it? Okay, you may, you've yeah. already won the game. You've decided that you hit your number, you're living off that number, and they're going to be a collaborator in that process. Is the only thing that is giving you hesitation the fact that it's a drag on your portfolio and that you could win by a lot more in 30 years time? Or like, well, I, that's the part that is a little confusing to me then. If you get all this reassurance from them, why not keep executing? Yeah, because, well, I, it's as simple as I can do math. And it seems like a, an expense that's unnecessary. Without getting super quantitative and going through all the modeling that one can do on this, there's a very big difference between a portfolio with a, a expense ratio of 0 0.1 yeah. and an expense ratio of 1.1. No, I get it. I get and it. And that can mean the difference in like twofold over 40 years in the median amount of assets we're talking about. Sure. So that drag is big. Yeah. And the earlier you, you know, the sooner you eliminate it, <laughs> the more of an impact it's going to have, right? It's like a giant lever. That's right. And I sit here often talking about 40 to 50 years possible of lifespan left. <laughs> and while that's overly optimistic, you have to assume that, right? Because you want to make sure your assets last for you or your spouse or partner, or whatever you're going to leave as a legacy to your children. So those numbers matter. Right. That could mean the difference yeah. between some really serious charitable giving or, you know, whatever it is that you want to do with your money, just increasing your withdrawal rate. What, whatever that answer is, that is why the common, you know, guidance from the community is what it is. Right. Working with somebody as assets under management, even if it's a, a great thing, does have financial impact. And you at least need to be eyes wide open about that and choose wisely. And I, I guess that's what you're getting at. Right. If it's so helpful, why not just keep it? You know, when is enough enough? Yeah, exactly. When is enough that's enough? The thing working, that's the thing working against it. And I had another friend <laughs> who also retired early, his by uh, virtue of his company being acquired and him cashing out effectively, who used that very same logic. And it was, your time is worth a lot. There's other things you want to do with it. You have enough money. Yep. Is it a big deal if you're paying Assets under management, like, like he is. Yo, I said that to you too. That's what I'm talking about here. Oh, no, you did. <laughs> I, I'm like, have it one way or the other. But just, I think one of the things that you're failing to mention that's actually a bigger factor is your wife. Okay. Oh yeah, she wants she wants me to have uh, broken up with my financial advisors yesterday. <laughs> there you go. And, and, and she wants it because she wants to spend more money, which is legitimate. Because think of it this way, it. <laughs> If you're withdrawing no, I get it. <laughs> at 3%, right, which is pretty much what we're doing, but your asset center management fee is 1%. You get a third more to play with, yeah. Right, and, and no one says you have to do that because that's also assuming that your gains <laughs> or flipped around your potential losses would be identical on your own versus working with somebody with expertise. I'm not willing to assume that, and that's okay, but even if it's half, the difference. I think that's still, you know, more money for, you know, a, a better vacation more often or whatever it is. Right. Uh, but that's not, I don't know. That's not, I can't sit here earnestly and complain about that. We have sufficient money. We are no, I know, but, to be how we are. But I think what you're not fully representing here is the, the fact that that's a force in, it this, is. in this decision. 
because I think a part of you would just say, hey, look, I'm in charge of the finances and this is the thing that makes my financial life comfortable and assured. And so I'm just going to keep it. And I wonder if that kind of bug in your ear a little bit isn't just is isn't the thing that's saying, oh, come on, come on, come on. And and then I also wonder on the flip side is, okay, let's say you break off the relationship. Are you willing to take that sum of money and spend it? The entire sum? No, I don't think that that's wise. (laughs) Right. So have you talked about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's in full agreement. Okay. She's not saying you should separate from service with them because I want to spend the entirety of the assets under management fee every year. It's yeah. not, she just not joked about that. that. Yeah, she did. <laughs> okay. She did. Yeah, I think to your question, certainly her inquiries on this topic caused me to do work so that we can together sit down and look at the numbers, you know, as a team. She's not like insistent or anything like that. In fact, I think I've argued it both ways with her uh-huh. and I'm a pretty good salesman, so I I think I've had her on both sides of that coin. I think if she were here right now and not out hiking, she would say, yes, you we should uh, go out on our own. I'm confident you've got this nailed. Um, <laughs> but in the end, if I said, here's the compelling reasons why we should stay, at least for now, because that's a question too, right? Timing is part of the question. And as we sit here today, my intention is to, before the end of this year, 2021, to make a decision about 2022. (laughs) Okay. In other words, either I'm going to go out on my own and communicate that before the end of the year, or I'm going to say, you know what? I'm, I'm staying with them for now. And whether that means all of 2022, half of the year or something like that, but I'm I'm not going to touch it for probably six months. So what's, what's going to make that decision for you then? I think you and I talking through this is definitely going to be really helpful. Okay. So, (laughs) So let me ask you this, because I, it keeps coming up in our discussions. What is the big hurdle from a tax standpoint? What's the thing you're so fearful of? Because when I ask you about tax questions, you're always like, oh, I'm not informed on that. But you're someone, <laughs> right? I mean, are, yeah. Yeah. Um, but as a business owner, I have to be really informed on the tax implications of things. And I don't actually think that it took me that long to get up to speed on that. I don't have as complicated a portfolio as you do. But I wonder, is there not some recon you can do with your advisors prior to making the break that just says, you know, these are the things I'm thinking about and wondering about. Can you walk me through the tax implications of X, Y, and Z? Like, have you done that before? Have you thought about that? Just to try to become more educated from someone who really has like optics on your portfolio? I have. I did that about a month ago. Uh, and I, in fact, that call was broader in scope than just tax. It was really <clears throat> confirming my thoughts on a number of issues, asking some really in the weeds questions about asset allocation and asset location. To your point, very much um, questions about drawdown and, and tax avoidance and things of that nature. So, so, they, so they're going to see this coming, man. <laughs> I suspect they already see it coming yeah. because to be quite candid, you know, they're always very willing to stay on the phone with me as long as I want to. But I felt like, man, we were 90 minutes in and things were still like everyone's on point answering questions, being just, you know, really gracious. And yeah, I suspect they know they see what we do on this channel. Um, they are aware of it. Um, we do talk about it. You're going to break the news to them through this channel. Is that no, how they're going to no, get to no. know? You're going to like tweet at them or something? With, with our schedule of filming and airing episodes, <laughs> I will have made my decision. And if it is to 
go out on my own as I'm, I'm pretty confident it will be, that will have been communicated to them well before this airs. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of tax planning, yeah, oh yeah, I didn't actually answer your question. What don't you know? <laughs> I think it's just an easy thing for me to throw doubt at myself, you know, because yeah. I, w I do work with and will continue to work with a CPA. I was going to say, so just I know, hire I know a CPA. I know I have that support. I know I have that support. So it's silly. It's just when I think about all the things with my portfolio that I've managed over the years, you know, especially prior to working with them, um, you know, cons you know, that's the one aspect that I haven't spent nearly as much time on personally with my portfolio. And so I think it's a reasonable thing for me to throw up as hesitation, but perhaps not to the magnitude that I do, if I can be totally candid. Yeah, I think that the tax implications are like, I don't just don't think it's that complicated, but I, I don't know. It's not. You know, it's not. But I, you know, it's maybe it's as simple as it just feels like a point of no return, which is stupid, right? Because if I've been a good client and I went out on my own and six months later decided, you know what, this is awful. I'm sure they would take me back. <laughs> I don't know. You're, I mean, you're not prepared to talk about who they are, but no, I don't necessarily think that's, they're pretty busy. They are, but you know, and I, I suspect I would, uh, maybe I'd be working with different people. I wouldn't right. work with those who've been supporting me for <laughs> this tenure, but you know, so it goes, you go on the special teams list. That's right. No, but I mean, seriously, I, I, that is one of the things that you, you raised to me when we talked about this probably a couple of months ago now or six weeks ago. You know, th there's not a point of no return. And you can get help. Yeah. And, and I think yeah, it's what you thing, always recommend to me. You're like, oh, you want, you want someone to look at your portfolio, just like hire somebody, which I have to admit is appealing and intimidating at the same time because I don't know what I'm getting. And part yeah. of what you're getting is the comfort knowing that these guys have worked with you a long time. They know your situation. You don't have to bring someone up to speed. Like a one hour consult is not equivalent to what you have by any measure. And certainly right. it's not equivalent in you know financial terms, but it's also probably not going to have move the needle in the same way that you, you know your advisors would necessarily. But my feeling is you've already won the game. It's optimizing things from here on out. And yeah. I mean, do you really think you're going to make a decision at this point that's going to completely tank your portfolio or change the trajectory no. of your FI? <laughs> no. And I, 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 that's a good point. And I think the good news is that one of the reasons that is often cited as people working with financial advisors doesn't really apply to us. And that is people who need assurance during downturns, right? That to avoid making big mistakes, right? Sure. Let the market is tanking. Let's go to cash. Right? <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. Right. It's never been a thought, even when I was far less educated about financial matters than I am now. So that's never been a big deal for me. I mean, they, you know, like any good advisor, they called me during the first big downturn in, in COVID and said, you know, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm totally fine. And they're like, well, we're, you know, we're just checking because you're about to retire. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. Um, so I think that gives me confidence that I'm not worried about that stuff. I think the types of questions I have, if I'm being honest with myself, could be answered by an hourly consulting type check-in with somebody maybe you know, during the first year on my own, just to check in and make sure that, you know, kind of, you know, whatever, measure twice, cut once. Um, but I don't have to pay somebody assets under management to get that. I, I, I think to your point, 
you got to be really mindful about getting somebody good. And the good news is so tied into these resources like we are through these communities. I bet I can find somebody um, who I would feel comfortable with. Is it going to be the same? No. But would it be good enough? I bet it would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so well, I do get a little confidence out of that thought. Well, can you think back to a time when you were first developing the plan and you met with these guys and they sat down and they told you something that you, you know, a, a, a light bulb went off and you thought, oh, wow, I never would have known that hadn't I, you know, hired and worked with these guys. I think it was. You know, maybe the intersection of some of these asset allocation and asset location questions uh, are things I learned from them about, you know, what types of things to store where. Obviously, things you can Google and now more than ever. Um, and now I'm way tied into these communities, but I wasn't back then. Yeah. And so, also, like, yeah, you can Google a lot of things. I know. <laughs> and you come up with, I mean, I'm not going to take advice necessarily from Reddit. And yeah, yeah. Even, even the advice idea. you're getting on a place like Bogleheads. It's it's got a certain slant to it. So sure it does. I mean, I think if if nothing else, this makes a case for having confidence in in someone's advice. You know, yeah, like it if, does. But but it doesn't sound like it necessarily made any sort of huge shifts in your portfolio. Um, I think it was refinement and you know more risk mitigation than I had in place. Right. So okay. you know, much like you. Earlier on, I was super heavy in stock. And yes, I had more bonds than your zero that you had for years, but it's not like I had a ton and it wasn't particularly very, it wasn't particularly diverse in that respect. So I think what they did add is, you know, some filling in the blanks, some of the preparation heading up into retirement, right? What do I want to accumulate? I mean, as I look at your portfolio, it, it's definitely more complex than mine. It has things yeah. in it that I it am scratching my head saying, okay, should I have that? Or why don't I have that? I haven't even thought about that. And, yeah. you know, I think some people will use that as ammunition to say, well, financial advisors just unnecessarily make your yeah. portfolio more complex so that, you know, it enables them to continue managing it because it's, it feels unmanageable. And, right. um, so I don't know how much of that is, is true in your case. I mean, I, I knowing who these guys are, I, I don't believe that it, that's probably true at all. I think they're trying, they actually have your best interests in mind. But if I think about conceptually where your portfolio is, I could probably replicate that doing something a little simpler, um, you know, and yeah. handle it myself. And that's the DIY component. You know, as I kind of try and relate this to my own field of practice, I get plenty of people. Like I had somebody email me today and say, Oh, I've been watching your videos and we're doing a DIY house plan. You know, it's like, and I know what that's going to look like. It's yeah. And that's going to work fine for some people. Um, but it's not going to be as refined. It's not going to be as optimized. It's probably not going to have the right insulation. It may not have the right vapor profiles. Like yeah. all these things can go wrong. Right. And as yeah. a DIYer like me, I assume responsibility for that. And I think what you're saying is like, well, I opted for the architect design home rather than the, the DIY home. And yeah, I did. And you don't actually need the architect to, it's great to have the architect oversee the design, oversee the construction. There's a lot of value there, right? But now once the home is built, 
generally people aren't asking me to come in and like choose furniture and move things around. And I feel like you have the floor plan and the elevations and you got a beautiful design. And now it's time for you to step back and say, okay, I don't need the decoration services anymore. Right. I think that's a really good analogy. I'm glad you put it that way. I have a couple reactions to it. Number one, I don't have one of those portfolios like you see people come in on Bogleheads and post where they have 25 or more funds, <laughs> quite a few of which are very high expense ratio and you wonder what, what right. the heck could have happened there. I don't have something like that. I, I do think it's it's responsible. Is it more complex than yours with just a few funds? Yes. Um, but you're right. I could manage it as it is. I, I know that. Um, I understand the role of every security in that portfolio. So I know I can do that. Might there be some things worth simplifying? Probably. And I've actually done some of those exercises myself, done a lot of back testing. Um, and you know, there are things I could do, but you're right. Um, I have never been somebody that just wanted asset management services because that's one of the big knocks on financial advisors working under AUM is that, man, you don't need just asset management. If you're getting like proper financial planning and guidance, that could be worth it for people. And I think that's one of the lessons I want to put out there. Even if it's only for a temporary period of time, there may be value as we found in having somebody doing a bunch of different financial modeling, looking at estate type questions and education and longer term care, things like that. And that's where I over time saw the most value, not doing my rebalancing for me and, you know, making, you know, small moves in asset allocation. But I am at the point, I think, where now the lion's share is just routine asset management and, you know, refilling of, you know, the buckets in the bucket strategy. So that to me has been the thing that pushed me more towards the tipping point of, you know, it probably is time to take this on my own uh, as people watching this, I'm sure, are now throwing things at their screen saying. Um, and that's why we're having this conversation, because exactly. I think that's where I am now. This is the last time we're having this conversation, man. I feel like you should pitch it like I've graduated. Like That's it, exactly the word I've had in my head. I'm so glad you said that. Oh, okay. I, it, yeah. Because it gives me reinforcement. Because I do feel like you have graduated. Like, it's just the place that you're at. You know, you, yeah. I seem to recall you, you had someone else looking at your portfolio at a certain point, didn't you? And the person started looking at it and doing some modeling and analysis for you. And they came back with some information and you were right to point out that this just isn't true. You know, yeah. the analysis that you've done is, is very superficial and it it's, doesn't actually reflect the nuance of my portfolio or whatever it was. And yeah. so you had, you have this knowledge. I think it's just a confidence issue for you sometimes that you think it's just not enough, you know? And I think many people are like this. You research things and research and research. And, and finally, it's time to just say, I do have enough information to make an informed decision and it is time to graduate. And I, I do feel like that's where you're at. 90% of the time, I completely agree with what you've said. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm predicting at the end of this that that is going to be my answer. Um, but it's like but, your mom saying, you got this, son. I know you can do it. <laughs> You'll do great. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I, I know that feel feeling about it. And look, I mean, the, the sheer amount of time I've spent thinking about this stuff over the years, even well before we were doing this show, <laughs> but particularly since. Yeah. Right. You know, since leaving the workplace, you know, more than a year and a half ago, 
yeah, I spent a lot of time with my portfolio, with the models that we've built over time, thinking about different, you know, outcomes and and scenarios. And I know I, I can do this. It's sort of silly at this point that I haven't done any, you know, taken the step. But uh, hey, I paid for the I paid for this quarter already. Right. So you know, I, I got till the end of the quarter. You better schedule another four or five consults. Hey guys. Uh, <laughs> Actually, they they've been helping me with a couple things the last couple of weeks. It's just been great. Wait, didn't we say you were gonna throw my portfolio in front of them? Just be like, <laughs> I've been thinking about this. <laughs> be like, what do you think? <laughs> hey, why does this say ER on the top? Oh no, that's nothing. That's. That's just, I'm just what happened to the like, balance? Yeah, exactly. Where did the money go? Oh, it's just for simplicity's sake. The modeling. Exactly. Oh, man. Come on. Just do it. Help a friend out. I mean, I think I've tried to help you you know, a lot. Which I've shown you literally everything about my portfolio at this point. I probably sent you a tax return. So when you were thinking about the merit of consulting with a financial advisor, what were the pros and cons and that led you to kind of your decision point? It's <laughs> something you and I have talked about a couple times. Yeah. And you mean not make a decision? <laughs> well, well I think you made a decision, right? <clears throat> you, you, you chose not to decide. That's, that's, that's a choice. Yeah. No, I, I farmed it out to the, the, the internet forums, you know, which are so I reliable. <laughs> I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, <clears throat> I think this is just an example of me being cheap and I can't imagine a 1% fee. Like I, you know, everyone works so hard on their passive indexing strategy that I'm like, well, that's, I'd just be killing that, you know? And yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So it's, a, it's appealing to me to do an hourly model, but I've tried to step into that a few times and it just hasn't, I haven't followed it very far. Uh, and honestly, it's just because I'm chasing too many other things, man. And I think that's maybe one of the benefits that you're saying is like your time's worth something. So hire somebody to take some of the, you know, burden off of you. To be honest, I'm kind of excited about learning about it. Like you, digging into this information is interesting to me. I feel out of my depth a lot of times. And that's usually a sign that I'm heading in the right direction, trying to learn new things. And I you've given me reason to reevaluate things in the past, um, in a way that I thought, okay, yeah, I could, if I don't, if I keep heading in the same direction, I could really sink my portfolio. And so yeah. sometimes I feel like those course corrections, you know, because I have such a simple portfolio have been the most helpful. And I guess maybe as I get nearer to trying to develop a drawdown strategy, maybe I'll, and maybe I will hire somebody, but I, I just don't have any plans to right now because it feels like yeah. things things are too tight, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally reasonable. And I look, I get the logic that people will undoubtedly comment in this video, <laughs> even though I'm going to say it right here. And that is that it's a drag on your portfolio. It's a lot of money. It doesn't make sense, particularly for people who are looking for a leaner fire number and are, are used to leaning out their expenses and they've, you know, they have a simplified portfolio, whether it's lazy three fund or all of ET Sachs and whatever it is, I get why it's un unattractive. And I'm not sitting here saying, well, because you didn't do this, you've obviously made a ton of mistakes and, and that's bad for you. Not at all. Um, particularly if you keep things simple and you follow the kind of guidance that we've talked about for now more than 20 episodes, <laughs> you don't have to go that route at all. I chose to do it. I'm glad that I did. And we're sitting here talking about the fact that I no longer think that 
I need to do it this way. And that's why, you know, a decision is going to get taken. Yeah. Yeah. But on the same note, man, I'll tell you what, maybe this is just poor research by me, but until I met with them, there's a whole host of things I had never done that I should have been doing sooner, like estate planning, for example. And they don't get anything out of me doing estate planning, right? I'm paying somebody else to do an estate plan. Cool. Um, You know, advising me on, you know, making sure I have enough liability insurance, right? An umbrella policy, not something they sell. I just went back to Geico and got an umbrella policy. So a lot of good guidance did come to me that I wasn't looking for and certainly wasn't stumbling upon. Now, when I, you know, go on Reddit and look in these other groups, other people are perhaps more aware of these aspects than I was at their age, for sure, especially people in their 20s. Right. Uh, And that's great. But I'm glad I got the wake up call when I did because I wasn't doing those things that I should have been doing. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it was something that I came to in part from discussing things with you, like the umbrella policy, some insurance issues. The estate plan for sure, I, you know, came as a result of me just focusing more on finances and understanding that when you start, you know, achieving a critical mass, you have to, you have to protect it. You have to think about your errors and you have to think about, you know, liability issues and things like that. And yeah, that's all, that's all great stuff. I don't, for me, I have that sorted now. And so, but so that doesn't feel like it would fit under that umbrella, but I could see, yeah, it's nice to have someone sit down with this sort of overarching plan and say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And, and kind of check off all the boxes, but like, you're definitely there. Yeah. And, and to your point, that is something that you could certainly get from any competent financial planner working hourly. Right. right. You don't have to go under assets under management to have somebody run you through the things you should be thinking about. Anybody listening to this who hasn't done those things, uh, particularly if you have, you know, kids or others who depend upon you, right? Estate planning is definitely worth looking into. Yeah. Like our lawyer that we hired for our estate planning is also a certified financial planner. And like, oh, okay. I mean, it doesn't mean that there aren't all these gray areas. And that's yeah. the one thing that I get a little worried here because, you know, you can wear multiple hats as a certified financial planner. Yes. You know, in one moment you can be someone's fiduciary and in the next you can actually sell them something. You don't have to disclose the point at which that relationship transitions. And so that's correct. I'm wary of those things now, you know, that's right. Yeah. So it's, it's all good stuff. And I, I appreciate that you brought that to this discussion because for a lot of people just doing DIY, they may have heard that as a sort of tangent, you know, that, Oh, get your estate in order. And it, at some level, it feels like another expense, but it's, but it's like, it is absolutely necessary part of the FI journey. Um, that's right. And it does not get nearly the airtime that the 4% rule or thinking about (laughs) withdrawal rate gets. And I, that's a big issue for me. So I think if nothing else, if anyone viewing this is on a five path or considering it, and it sort of raises your awareness about the importance of estate planning, which can be very inexpensive, by the way. It is. Yeah. Um, will have succeeded because yeah. it is super important. Yeah. I, I actually, there was something you brought up there that I think is important to return to. You, you mentioned people who wear multiple hats and the potential gray areas. I, I think it's quite possible that somebody watching this could be thinking about, well, maybe it is worth me getting some hourly consulting or maybe there is someone Um, who wants to consider the type of relationship I had. I'm not here to sell anybody on financial planning services, but (laughs) if you start to go down that road, please do not just go to the local chain franchise um, 
places that sell you things and you know, are going to put you in funds that are completely against, uh, you know, what most people would think of as a five path. There are resources you can use to find somebody uh, credible. And there are questions you can ask that really clarify things for you, because at the end of the day, you want to know how they get paid. And yeah. that shouldn't include selling you things. Um, and there uh, is a un- reputation to like, you. like the reputation that, that, you know, the negative reputation that they have in the FI community is not unwarranted. No, absolutely. There's some awful <laughs> stories out there. Yeah. So you, you did your research and actually I was going to ask you, how did you find the guys that you're working? Was it a referral or Google search? Was, what was it? White pages? Yeah, it was research, a variety of different resources <clears throat> online, phone calls, uh, talking to, um, you know, interviewing them. You know, there was a bunch of homework in there to kind of land on who we went with. Um, but, but there's, uh, there are lots of resources out there. To, to find folks. So where would you recommend people go? Because the fiduciary title is, is the most important title in the whole stream of it things, is. right? So a fiduciary is someone who's actually uh, beholden to act in your financial best interest. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's the, on the FINRA website that you can start to identify people, especially if you want people local to your area oh. um, versus somebody who you'd have to work with remotely. I know that on Bogleheads, there's also a list that I've seen there of yeah. folks people have worked with. And there's even a service I'm aware of on there where you can pay a fee to have access to a list of vetted right. hourly consulting. You know, definitely not assets under management folks, people who only do hourly consulting who have been vetted by other people in the community. So none of that assures that that's going to be a great fit for you or exactly what you're looking for. But I think there are a few resources that that we can link up that will help people who do want to look at this. And your guys are not in the town that you're living in, right? They're just remotely. Yeah, I actually work with people in another state. Um, and that's worked out just fine, right? Zoom is very effective, not only for work, but for personal finance consulting. Um, so that's, that's been great. Other people for this kind of thing would only want to work with somebody they could visit in person. And, you know, there may be well be good options in your area. It really depends on where you're based. What has it looked like? Is it a monthly meeting? Is it quarterly? Is it biannual? Uh, it depends on the point in time and kind of how much is going on. I've always had at least an annual meeting and some years I'll have three or four meetings. It's really at my discretion. I ask for meetings and just put time on their calendar when I want something. They've been very gracious about making time no matter what. And, you know, frankly, one of the things that's been beneficial to me, they're great communicators by email, um, you know, or if I need something quick over text. I've never had, you know, much issue even as their business has grown accessing them, uh, in a reasonable turnaround time. So yeah, that's been important for me as even just to get quick, quick questions answered. So it's been a mix of longer calls a couple times a year, uh, as well as, you know, just sending them things, you know, Hey, I'm thinking about this, you know, how would you model this out? This is the way I've been thinking about it. Is it just like reports that they give you, or is there a dashboard that you share or like, how? I mean, you're giving them like the keys to the castle essentially, huh? Yeah. Um, so they, they have a portal that I can, you know, view in real time aspects about my portfolio, you know, similar to the things a brokerage would have, but kind of with their, their spin on it from that, they produce quarterly reports that we get, uh, and, you know, along with, you know, kind of some, you know, tailored information about kind of our situation. Sometimes those, uh, provoke calls or questions that I might have based on, you know, our current situation, what the market's doing, et cetera. 
But honestly, the stuff I've probably found the most value over time um, is just coming up with questions that I want to see, you know, scenario A, B, and C and model it out. And often I will have done modeling myself. Oh, God. I really just want an independent view of it. <laughs> you are what we call a nightmare client in the architecture field. No, I am a good client. I bet they will tell you. I, am, I no. suspect, I You're... have no proof of this, that I do not think that they believe I'm an annoying client. You're the guy who shows up to the meeting with, and I've had this happen before. It's got a little sketch in his bag. It's like sits down across the table. It's like, oh, let me see what you got. So I put, you know, make the presentation, show him the four different schemes, and then he like reaches down into his bag. And he's like, ah, here we go. <laughs> no, I do not. Do How that. about this? <laughs> you, you think I'm gonna sit in front of like CFAs and CPAs Here's and my present modeling. my view on tax or on you know uh, on you know? Here's my view of the beta of the portfolio. Like I'm oh, not gonna geez. do that. <laughs> But I am going to do some work on my end. You're to, checking them. No, it's the other way around. <laughs> if nothing else, that stuff has helped give me confidence um, that I'm doing things right. You know, I'm, we actually on that call we had a month ago, you know, one of the things I had been digging into a lot was expense ratio over time. What's my current, you know, asset allocation and what does that look like? And they they were like they were laughing because I knew my my. Uh, my weighted expense ratio down to the hundredth place. They're like, they're like, nobody does that. <laughs> they're like, oh, that's place. how we know you're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're like, nobody does that. <laughs> oh, we're gonna make this call ninety minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, they're they're great about it. There's no, uh, they actually, you know, which just meant we went another level deeper in the discussion, which I think was great. I think they're, you know, one of the things that's good about them is they've been very willing to tailor conversations to whatever depth kind of I want to go. Um, I like working with other nerds, so that's, uh, that's helpful. Yeah. So Jason, right. what did, what have you decided now that we've had this conversation for the umpteenth time, my brilliant advice has led to you to this decision. What is it? Join us as the conversation continues next time on two sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com.